edition of Path to Perfection. I am your host, Jason Thayer. Each week I talk about topics related to Catholicism, autism, and pop culture. This week's episode is continuing my Christmas theme for the month with a look at the perennial favorite, A Charlie Brown Christmas. Before I start this episode, I want to do a little bit of a soapbox. So, here we go. Christmas really is my favorite time of year. And um, I feel like Charlie Brown does in the Christmas in the Christmas special. I feel like a lot of people just get so caught up in the commercialism of Christmas that they completely ignore what's really important about the holiday. Being together with your friends and family, celebrating the warmth of the holiday, remembering that so many thousands of years ago, in an insignificant town in Israel, in the most unlikely of places, a little baby was born. Not in a grand palace, not in an inn where there was no room, but in a stable, in a feeding trough. Before Jesus even spoke his first word, he was giving his first sermon. Because, I don't know if any of you are aware of this, but a manger is another word for a feeding trough. Today, we Catholics partake in eating Jesus' body and blood at every Mass. So, that's why I say, before he even opened his mouth to speak, when he was just crying in the manger, hoping someone would feed him, Jesus was giving us his first sermon. It's so easy to just write off the story of Jesus as just that, a story. And to me, that's the magic of Christmas right there. Not Santa Claus, although I do like the story of Santa Claus, but the fact that God himself became one of us. For 33 years, he walked with us. He taught us. And he just just turned the world upside down, as is often said. And that, to me, is why I like Christmas so much. Not the presents, not the snow, because here in Louisiana, we don't even get snow. I mean, the last time we had snow was three years ago. And even then, it didn't even do anything. It just barely even accumulated on the ground, and that was it. And it was gone the next day. In fact, it was probably gone, like, before the day even ended. So it's all the pageantry of Christmas and the message of it that we still matter so many years later. And that's why I chose to talk about it. And I chose to do a little soapboxing because that was basically the whole point of Charles Schultz's talk. So let's get into it. First off, let's start by talking about just who Charles Schultz was and what we know about his life before he did the thing that we most closely associate with him, the Peanuts comic strip. 
Charles Schultz was, Schultz was born on November 26, 1922 in Minneapolis, Minnesota and lived until 2000. He grew up in St. Paul as an only child. For those of you who don't know your Minnesota maps, um, Minnesota and St. Paul are right next to each other. That's why they're often called the Twin Cities. That's why the baseball team from Minnesota is called the Minnesota Twins. It's right there in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. And that also explains why Charlie Brown is such a big baseball player because, well, Minneapolis and St. Paul, they're big baseball towns. Um, he, he is, his uncle nicknamed him Sparky after Sparkplug, the horse from the Barney Google and Snuffy Smith comic strip, which was his favorite comic strip at the time. Um, I don't know if Snuffy, if Barney Google and Snuffy Smith is still around today. I think it's now just called Snuffy Smith. I don't think Barney Google is even in the comic anymore. I because I remember when I was growing up, Barney Google and Snuffy Smith was a pretty regular feature in the com in the comics pages, and it wasn't, and it didn't have the Barney Google in the name. It was just Snuffy Smith. Um. He skipped two grades during his school years and went to the Central High School in St. Paul. In fact, if you were to go to St. Paul, Minnesota, and go to Central High School, you would find in the main office a statue of Snoopy. His work began when he drew a picture of his dog for Ripley's Believe It or Not. For those of you who don't know, Ripley's Believe It or Not wasn't just a TV show featuring Jack Palance as the host. It was also it actually started out as a comic strip, and was based and was then turned into the famous TV show and also the famous museum chain. I've been to one of the museums myself, and people would actually send in amazing things that you couldn't believe would to be true. And um, his dog. Supposedly was able to eat metal or something like that. I don't quite. I, I think that was the story. And he actually sent sent a drew a picture of his dog, sent it into the comic strip, and signed it as Sparky. And after high school, he was drafted into the army and served as a sergeant. This was in 1943, and by this time, his mother had died of cancer. And he was also doing a correspondence course on the side in art because when he was in school, he loved to draw. He, there's a story I have in, in a Peanuts book where um, his art teacher had a, picture of an had a picture of an assignment that he did for an art class. And um, his art teacher was very impressed with it and told him to keep, basically keep up the good work. And he's and I guess he kept that around ever since because that became a because that was a memento that was in the book. Anyway, two years later, he was he lettered for a Catholic comic magazine out that that was operating out out of Saint Paul called Timeless Topics. And his first comic strip was called Little Folks. Little Folks was an interesting comic strip. I've seen pictures of it. It was this. It had these. Big perspectives of world of um, normal, ordinary, mundane backgrounds. Everything would look really huge, and you'd have these tiny little kids 
that were just dwarfed by these perspectives. And a couple of them were actually could be considered prototypes for Charlie Brown and Snoopy. The little folks didn't have a recurring cast of characters like Peanuts does, but it pretty much paved the way. It was something that he drew that sort of grew into what we know today as Peanuts. Um, it was published in the St. Paul Pioneer Press and then later was published in the Saturday Evening Post. And... Later on, he pitched Charlie Brown and Snoopy to Universal Features Syndicate. And the CEO suggested the name Peanuts. For those of you who are wondering just how the name Peanuts came to be, it wasn't Charles Schultz's idea. It was the CEO at Universal Studio at Universal Features. I almost said Universal Studios. That's a totally different thing. Um, this was back in the 50s. The very first children's show back was around by that time, um, Howdy Doody, the famous children's show about the puppet, and they had a live studio audience of children, and the live studio audience was referred to as the Peanut Gallery. Today, we still have that term. Um, you may have heard the phrase, no comments from the Peanut Gallery. I grew up with my mom and dad telling me that all the time, and that's where that phrase comes from. Um, because the children would either cheer or groan or whatever whenever something happened on the screen. They were basically the forerunner of the laugh track that's still in use in sitcoms to this day. Um, I guess you could say. Although these days, the idea of a live, um, audience is no longer a thing. Nowadays, they just pipe in the laughter or whatever. Um, the comics, to be honest, uh, Charles Schultz hated the name Peanuts. He didn't really see the, he didn't really see how that could pertain to what the strip was about because he was not going to have adults in his comic strip. If you look at the Peanuts comic strip or any, or any of the Peanuts shows, you never see the adults. You would just, in the early days, you could still hear what they were saying, but in the comic, in the cartoon, you always just hear blah, 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 blah. Because you're not supposed to see the adults. You're where the children are. So, they're not commenting on anything, so why call them the Peanut Gallery? But he figured that the CEO of Universal Features must know more than he did, so that's why he just, he grudgingly decided to keep the name, despite his misgivings about it. He wanted to name the strip after after Charlie Brown, so that's why for years you would say you would see Peanuts featuring good old Charlie Brown in the Sunday version of the strip. Peanuts ran for a pretty long time, all the way up to the year 2000, until, and by that time, Charles Schultz was suffering from Parkinson's disease, and it was really showing, folks. It was, he, he had a hard time coming up with ideas, and also a hard time drawing. If you were to look at the more later versions of the comics, you could kind of see, if you looked hard enough, the um, signs of his problems drawing the strip, and 
a lot of times with comic strips, you would have a successor to the original artist. Um, a lot of the there are quite a few comic strips that are running today that have that. Prince Valiant is no is not drawn by Hal Foster. Hal Foster has been dead for I don't know how long. Um, Dick Tracy is still around. That was drawn. That's drawn by someone else. Um, I believe uh, some a lot of your adventure strips are like this, and a lot of your soap opera strips are like this. Um, and yes, some of your comic comedy strips are like this too. Nancy has been drawn by more than one artist over the years, for example. But it was decided that when Charles Schultz died, that his strip would no longer be in the newspapers. But Peanuts had such a strong following and such a huge influence on comic strip artists who are still around today that they decided, you know what, let's keep the strip in the newspapers. And today, obviously, newspapers are no longer that wide read, but you can still find Peanuts on the Universal Features um, website, Go Comics. And what Go Comics does is they split the comic strip into two halves. There's the Peanuts Begins, that's the early days of the strip, before the 1960s when everyone still had their big heads and the art shift hadn't happened yet. Um, and then you have Just Peanuts. And Just Peanuts is everything that's after the 60s. And when the drawing style was a bit more stylized and it looked more like the Peanuts that we know and love. Um... I don't know if they've gotten past the 80s in the Peanuts comic that they show today. Um, but, yeah, this is one of those strips that is still a rerun today, um, along with, I think, For Better or For Worse does that now, too, as a matter of fact. Um, so... And I was a big, and I was and still am a big fan of Charlie Brown. If you follow me on Facebook, you will find that I am always sharing Charlie Brown comic strips every day. And I think it's mainly because I felt a sort of connection to both Charlie Brown and Linus, and to some extent Schroeder too, because we both play the piano. Although my favorite pianist will be, my favorite composer isn't Beethoven, it's Mozart. So, I'm pretty sure Schroeder would have to fight me on that one. I mean, yes, Beethoven is a pretty cool guy, don't, don't get me wrong, but Mozart, would, Mozart puts him away big time. Um, so, and Linus I really felt the biggest connection to. I always loved how smart he was compared to everyone else, and how he just had this vast array of wisdom and just sounded way more wise than someone his age should and i just thought it was a pretty cool comic strip in fact it's still it was a big influence on many comic strip artists to come um bill watterson the creator of calvin and Hobbes, was a big fan of it rob Armstrong, the cre the creator of one of the earliest african-american comic strips jumpstart said that if it weren't for franklin the very first African-American character in comics, he probably would not have gotten a career in comics. Um, Foxtrot was hugely inspired by Charles Schultz. Um, that's why Peter, 
that's why Peter Fox, I believe that's the little kid's name, has a black best friend named Marcus. So, today it's such a huge part of American pop culture. So you might be wondering why I'm even talking about the Charlie Brown special. Well, I feel like I should since it's part of the Christmas season. Families everywhere watch it. And I just thought it'd be a fun little topic to talk about. Besides, Charlie Brown is one of my special interests. And I really hate that term, but I'm going to use it because it's such an associated term anyway. And I just like to talk about my special interests a lot on this thing. So why not? So let's now talk about the special itself. By the 1960s, Christmas specials had barely gotten started. Um, a lot of people tend to think that the that a Charlie Brown Christmas was the very first Christmas special. At least I thought it was myself. But when I was doing research, I was surprised to find out that it wasn't. It was actually, if you want to be really technical, it was still a pretty early special. But it was the third Christmas special to air. The first Christmas special was Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol, and I guess that's probably why I think that, I mean, I for years thought Charlie Brown was first, because to be honest, I watched the Mr. Magoo Christmas special and I mean, Christmas Carol, and I've watched some of Mr. Magoo as a kid, and to be honest, I am not a fan of Mr. Magoo. I think he's a stupid character. So I'm sorry to all you people who still like the Mr. Magoo Christmas Carol because I know that there are still a lot of you who probably have the DVD and watch it every year. But I prefer, but I do like the story of Christmas Carol, but I just don't prefer the Mr. Magoo version of it. I prefer the Muppets version and the George C. Scott version and the um, Patrick Stewart version. Sorry about that rabbit hole, but I just thought that would be an interesting thing to tell you guys. Um, I do plan on talking about some of the other Christmas specials that are still airing at some of the movies in later episodes. So just a little something to tack on there. Um, another thing I should tack on, um, I did mention that Charles Schultz wrote for a, I mean, lettered for a Catholic comic magazine. He was actually a pretty devout Catholic, and he came up with this special because he, I mean, this special's us. Uh, Story because he was disillusioned by the commercialism of Christi of Christmas. And today it is really rampant. I mean, you can go to a department store or any store for that matter, and you will see decorations that you can buy that are for both Christmas and Halloween by the end of October. The Hallmark Christmas specials do not mean the Christmas movies that air every year do not start in November. They do not even wait till December. They do they do not start on December 1st. They don't even wait till November. They start right on Halloween. In fact, the Hallmark Christmas movies have become such a such a big ratings getter for that channel that they actually air them in July. This whole Christmas in July thing. My mom loves the Hallmark specials. She watches them every year. Every She'll start watching them the day after Halloween and just keep binging them until Christmas Eve. And 
She will. Not, she won't watch them in July though. She. She and I both agree that there's no point for the July version. I think they just do that for the readings. So it was just. I mean, so it's bad today, and it was bad in the sixties. He was. He was not pleased with it, but he. But they and they talked him into it, and they were actually. They actually did not expect the Charlie Brown Christmas to do so well, and and um, it did so well that they eventually moved on to other holidays as well. With the and for years, the ones that you could actually count on coming back every year were the Christmas, Halloween, and Thanksgiving specials. And yes, I know that's not the order that everything comes in these days, but I'm just that's the chronological order of the. Christmas, Halloween, and Thanksgiving specials, so that's why I said it in that order. Um, so let's go over the general plot just for the sake of those of you who have never watched it before. I know that there, that it sounds surprising, but it's surprising that but um, there are people out there who have never watched Star Wars. I know this from watching YouTube. So the plot is the that at the beginning of the story Charlie Brown is depressed no one's ever I mean, no one's even sent him a christmas card he goes up to violet and and sarcastically thanks him for a christmas card and she just doesn't even take it feel the sign even the twinge of guilt and just says i didn't send you a christmas card charlie brown and he doesn't understand why it's such a big deal and he feels like everyone's just forgotten what's really about. And Linus just says what I think is one of the best lines in any of the specials. He he tells him, of all the Charlie Browns in the world, you're the Charlie Browniest. That's the thing about Charlie Brown. He's We are all like Charlie Brown at some point in our lives. That's probably why his character is so endearing to us. We've all felt like that big loser kid. And a lot of times that's basically what he is. I mean, he does win occasionally. There was this one strip in the 90s where he actually, where his baseball team actually did win a game. Actually, if you want to get technical about it, his team won twice. They won back in the 70s, but they had to forfeit because Linus's little brother, Rerun, was um, betting on the team. I think this was a commentary on Pete Rose. Anyway, uh, sorry about that rabbit hole, folks. He feels like everyone's forgotten what's really important, and both his sister Sally and his dog Snoopy have both been cons have been consumed by the greed of capitalism. Sally comes up to him and asks him to write him a to help him her write a letter to Santa, and they start to he starts to write it, and right in the middle of the letter, she doesn't even want a present from. Santa even more. She 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 flat out says, if you don't know what to give me, just send money. How about tens and twenties? And Charlie Brown just throws up his hands in frustration because he can't believe that this is what his sister is saying. And Sally says, what I think is another landmark line, and I think it's a line that a lot of us have, a, a lot of kids have about Christmas. They don't, they want what is coming to them? They want their fair share, as Sally says, and he's and his dog is entering in the contest to see who can decorate their house the prettiest and win lots of money. 
Although you kind of have to wonder just what the heck a dog would do with all that money. And, of course, we find out later it's by a whole bunch of dog bones and he just has them stacked up all the way up to the top of his doghouse and he's just sitting there eating one at a time. And uh, so he goes to Lucy, and Lucy has her psychiatrist booth set up, and she and this is very early in Lucy's characterization. She's not the mean kid that she would become later on. She's not. This is the one comic. This is the one cartoon in the entire Char in the entire Charlie Brown specials canon that does not have the obligatory scene where. Lucy pulls the football away from Charlie Brown because that gag hadn't started yet. In fact, that gag wasn't even started by Lucy. It was started by Violet. Violet was the mean girl at this time, not Lucy. And Lucy comes up with the with an idea to get him more into the Christmas spirit. She suggests that he direct the Christmas play. And he decides to do that. And he's actually the and when they get to the, so when we get to the Christmas play, I have to ask, just what kind of play are they even doing? I mean, it starts out like they like it's going to be a nativity play, but as you watch, we don't get to hear any of the dialogue. We're getting jazz of all things for a Christmas special. Um, Charles Schultz was a big jazz fan, and that's why this special had the jazz music in the background, including the famous Linus and Lucy's theme, which would become a staple for the Charlie Brown specials for years to come. And it was even, it was actually in a, there was actually a stage play that was done where this music originated. Um, when he directs the play, no one wants to listen to him. He, he tries to rein in everything, and Lucy helps him, but even she has her own ideas. She wants to be the Christmas Queen, which isn't even a thing in the story. And she's got Snoopy doing animals, and it starts out, you think, okay, these are animals that, are, that would actually be in the in the manger, in the barn. But then we get to a penguin? Sorry, it's just something that's always bugged me as a kid. <laughs> and um, here's a little neat thing I want to point out. This is this will show you just how early this is in the comic strip. There are a few characters that you don't see anymore that you wouldn't have that you wouldn't see anymore later on. Um Violet eventually got phased out because Charles Schultz realized that Lucy was better at the mean kid than and than uh, Violet was because Lucy had more personality. Um Shermie is in here. He's the kid that doesn't that complains about being a shepherd all the time. And uh, that, that famous scene where everyone's dancing around. If you look closely, you'll see two kids standing right next, that are dancing right next to each other. One's got his doing a little head bob action. That's actually five. And next to him is his sister, three. Yes, there was a storyline where we met some kids who didn't have names. They had numbers. Granted, I mean, and what's funny about it is that gag, I mean, that little storyline didn't even last a few, didn't even last more than a week. And by that time, they weren't even 
in the strip anymore, but they were included in that scene just as little Easter eggs. I just find that interesting. I didn't know that at the time that I watched it, of course. I, just, I didn't learn it until many years later. Um, Charlie Brown... I mean, Lucy talks Charlie Brown into going to get a Christmas tree. And they go to... And he and Linus go off to get one. And that's when we see another famous scene where we see a whole bunch of what are called aluminum Christmas trees. Now, you might be saying to yourself in this day and age... Aluminum Christmas trees? Really? They'd made trees out of metal? Because, yes, we still have the fake trees today, but our fake trees are made out of plastic, not metal. And it was actually this special that made them, I mean, that discontinued the fad. It was a fad back, it was a real thing back in those days. And yes, they were hollow, they were made of met. they were made of aluminum, really made of aluminum. These days they're called pencil trees, and they don't look quite the way they did back in those days and yes they were in all the different colors including pink Charles Schultz felt that this was the I mean that the fake trees especially aluminum ones was the epitome of capitalism and to this day there is always the debate on whether or not you should go out and buy a real Christmas tree or you should get a fake Christmas tree and and the usual argument that's brought up in favor of the fake one is that you're doing better for the environment and that you're buying something that you'll actually use more than once whereas with you when you buy a real christmas tree not only are you killing a tree but you have to keep it as good as you can it's it's dying as you're using it and of course and of course if you have pets your dog or your cat will go up to the tree stand and start lapping up the water we've all done we've all seen that happen with the real tree so it's still a debate um we we've um we did both ways we did a real tree for a long number of years and then i think it was in junior high my family decided to stop and we got the fake one that we still use to this day um and charles Charlie Brown finds a real tree, and it's just this tiny little thing. And uh, Linus objects to the idea because he thinks that we should that they should get a tree that's more grand and pre grand and exquisite, like the fake ones. But Charlie Brown feels feels quote unquote this tree needs me, so he so he buys it, and they and they bring it back, and the tree is losing needles all the way to the theater. That's how pathetic it is. And everyone laughs at him. And he just... Charlie Brown has just had enough. He finally yells, Doesn't anyone under know what Christmas is all about? And that's when my favorite character, Linus, stands in the stage, gets a nice little spotlight on him, and quotes Luke's gospel and reminds everyone that the true meaning of Christmas isn't just the toys or whatever you're getting it's the promise of jesus and they decide to help charlie brown decorate the tree and it looks great and that's the end of it but there's a little more to the story than that there's some little touches of symbolism and i'm going to talk about that in the next segment
There's some neat little symbolism in the Charlie Brown Christmas special that I think should be really pointed out. First of all, let's talk about that tree that Charlie Brown and Linus get. Like I said, it's in a whole tree lot of nothing but fake trees. And then there's and then the the only real tree that we see is that tiny pathetic tree. There's a reason there's a little something there that you may not catch. That real tree is supposed to be Jesus himself. That's why it's the only real tree in the lot. It's the only real thing there. And it represents Jesus because it is the smallest and most insignificant tree. And like I said in my soapbox, that's the, that's the amazing thing about Christmas, that Jesus chose to be born in the most insignificant way. He chose a peasant woman. A woman that might have been forgotten in history, that we that no one else would ever know about. And that was the woman who brought him into the world. That was the woman who made the who graciously volunteered, we'll say, Yes, Lord, I will be your handmaid. And it's symbolic of Jesus coming into the world not as a grand king, not as a soldier ready to slaughter as many Romans as possible, but as a tiny little baby crying in a manger for our help. And then there is the scene of where Linus quotes the gospel. Now, if you know anything about your Peanuts lore, and you don't really have to know anything about your Peanuts lore to understand this comic this uh, cartoon. I watched uh, someone reacting to the special yesterday on YouTube, and he knew nothing about the characters, and he still enjoyed what was going on. Um, a little something that, so if you know anything about the Charlie Brown lore, you know that Linus is the most nervous kid in the strip. He is always carrying around his little blue blanket there have always been storylines where Lucy is trying to get him to go cold turkey on the blanket and try to separate himself from it. Um, there'll be stories where Snoopy tries to take it from him and doesn't succeed. And you'll always see him sitting there just sucking his thumb. Um, if you watch the special sometime, and it just aired yesterday on PBS, and you can also still buy the DVD of it, Watch very closely when Linus is giving the speech. He drops the blanket right when he gets to the angel saying, Fear not. And that's important because, and that's not something that was a blooper. That was intended because he, in that moment, is unafraid because he knows he is loved by God. And when you are loved by God, you don't serve God because you're afraid of what God will do to you. You serve God because you feel obligated to do so. Because you know you are loved by Him and you are doing what is expected of you. Not because you are afraid of Him. And today, things have changed a lot over the years with the Christmas special. It, was, it started out airing on CBS. They even had this special graphic that they would play. That you can find on YouTube if you want the whole experience. that you, And you can probably put that on for a little bit on your computer. And then you watch the special itself. To get the actual experience of it. 
Um, then it got moved to ABC for a few years. And today, it's not even owned by ABC or CBS. Um, it's now, a few years ago, with all, with all these different streaming channels, Apple decided to jump on the bandwagon with their Apple Plus, or Apple TV, whichever one you want to call it. And they bought all of the specials, not just the big three that air every year, the Charlie Brown Christmas, the Thanksgiving, and the Halloween one, but also all the other specials that you haven't seen in years. And they also got all the movies that were made out of Charlie Brown. Um, Snoopy Come Home, Bomb by Oz, Charlie Brown, and Don't Come Back. Race for Your Life, Charlie Brown. Um, the only one they didn't get was the one Blue Sky made. Because Blue Sky now I mean, was done by Fox. And um, of course, Disney owns... Every, just about everything Fox made, with the exception of um, the, I mean, everything Fox does, with the exception of Fox News, which I think is a good move on their part. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so now Apple owns everything, and they're actually even making new specials because, but ha because of course, with you doing that, you have to create new content otherwise eventually Charlie Brown will go into public domain and then you won't and then you'll have wasted all your money so they do have new specials on Apple TV um I don't own Apple TV I just know this because I see commercials for it I don't know I know Charles Schultz would hate that but I mean but there was a big battle that was fought, and now the specials air on PBS of all places. And I think Charles Schultz would like that because PBS doesn't air, doesn't have commercials. So you would get an uninterrupted version of the Charlie Brown Christmas. So you're stuck hearing his message, and you get, and you don't get to hear the commercials interrupting it. I love to watch these special every year along with my usual stuff um this year i did a little bit more christmas watching than usual mainly because of recent events and i kind of felt really sad about christmas because this is my first christmas without my dad um i had i hadn't talked about that much on this podcast because i didn't really want to but it's really starting to hit home for me um this year just how much i miss him um i have my he was still alive when I had my birthday this year, and it was my first, I mean, but it still felt so wrong not to have him there because he's always been present at every single holiday I've had. And now I have to move on from him, and it just really hit me a little. And I'm, and I'm going through it just fine. Um, I still get these waves of sadness. I guess it's something that's never going to go away. Sorry about that beep, folks. Um, and also the National Lampoon one. I love the National Lampoon one. So it's just something I enjoy watching. And I really hope that this episode has helped you to see the special maybe in a new light. Or maybe you haven't watched it at all. And this is your, and now it's inspired you to finally go ahead and watch it. And that's the end of my Christmas celebration on the Catholic Spectrum. 
Next week, we're going to be counting, we're going to be doing something that I started last year with the comics, with the, uh, with my podcast, and that's counting down my favorite albums of the year. Um, this has been an interesting year with that. Um, so you will, you probably might not get to 25 like last year because I was doing it also on Amino and what I was doing was just taking full advantage of the fact that they give you 25 images. So I decided to give you 25 albums. But now that I'm not on Amino anymore, I've decided I'm not going to do... I may not do 25. I may do 30 or... I mean, not 30. I may do just 10 or 20 of them instead. Um, this was a good year for that. Just a little heads up. So we'll see what happens. I did find a few stinkers, but they won't be in the countdown, obviously. So that'll be the last episode for this year. And we're still going to be in season three because of uh, the hurricane. So season three is going to run a little bit longer than it did last time. We're still going to do 26 episodes. It's just going to be just going to seem longer because of the gap that was caused by the hurricane. that's the show you can find past episodes of the catholic spectrum on spotify stitcher iheart google podcast or apple podcast or podcast addict that's an app that i found for um podcasting on kindle back when i was trying to find things before spotify started doing them um you can follow me on facebook as jason thayer and i also have a discord handle and that's radical edward the radical is capitalized there's a space between radical and edward and the edward is also capitalized hashtag 7597 once again that's radical edward hashtag 7597 my email is radical edwardjwt at gmail.com and remember Normal is just a sitting on the washing machine. We don't get to be normal. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy New Year. God bless us, everyone. All that good stuff. See ya.